Welcome inside a brand new episode of the All Hoops Podcast. I'm Steven Inman, and I'm joined by my co-host and producer to the stars, Chris Brito. Chris and I will discuss the beginning of the conference finals, as well as the early demises of the Clippers and Bucks. Do those expected title favorites need to change their teams up next year? We'll get to all that. But first, Chris, my friend, how are you? Hey, Stevie. What a what a crazy round uh, of the NBA playoffs that we just had. You know, we all assumed, including myself, that the Bucks were going to make it to the finals, and now they're not. We expected the Clippers to at least be in the Western Conference finals. Now they're not. Um, I think the Clippers for me is even more surprising because they they had the team. They could they had the pieces to beat the Lakers and possibly make the finals. And now I'm just conf- I'm just wondering, not wondering, but more like I feel like this was a team that took their chemistry building for granted. I know you and me feel differently about how Kawhi needed his rest during the season. And, you know, I get it if it was totally because of health reasons. Um, but it it, it, ne- it always seemed like that was never a priority to get the whole team together on the floor, sharing minutes. And, you know, they also carried themselves, like m- mostly guys like Patrick Beverly, carried themselves with a sort of arrogance that, like, they had a title. They were going to be in the finals. They, you know, there was that they, they joked around about the other team going to Cancun. And I'm kind of glad, I'm kind of happy that this happened. Anyway, what are your thoughts about the series? Yeah, I mean, I think they could have gotten away with their rest plans if it wasn't for the pandemic. You know, you you start the year with a 15 games off for Paul George with the injury, and you're kind of like, all right, no problem. Then Kawhi's in and out of the lineup. They barely play him and George together. All right, no problem. The regular season just so long. Everybody makes the playoffs. I didn't see it as an issue. And then all of a sudden you get to the pandemic and they come back and they say, all right, only eight regular season games. And you're like, all right, well, the Clippers are a two seed. You know, they played well enough to think that they're just going to figure it out in this bubble. And then, boom, Montrez Harrell's out for a bit. You got Lou Williams out for a bit going to strip clubs and trademarking, you know, Lemon Pepper Lou. And they never really had a time to gel. And now you hear, oh, they were gassed in Game 7. They were taking themselves in and out of Game 7. And, Chris, when Nikola Jokic is in better shape than you, running up and down the court, by the way, who had COVID right before this bubble started, you really got to look yourselves in the mirror and decide, is this really what you want? Are you trying to be a championship team or are you just going to sit around acting like a championship team? Because this is a group that is felt, as you said, very entitled as if they've won a few championships already. And at the same time, they haven't won anything. Right. And it was funny. We were joking around about how this team actually reminded me about that Miami Heat team that faced the Dallas Mavericks uh, when the Mavericks won the title. Uh they, they really did carry themselves with such, with such arrogance. And then on the flip side, what brought the Clippers down is really what brought the Nuggets together. All, you know, we saw that, we saw their tribulations with their series against the Utah Jazz. We saw them last year in game seven, you know, with the Portland Blazers. Um, this was a team that has fought together. So when they were down 3-1, they were able to rally. And it, it clearly showed that this team 
trust each other. And I think that's the most important part of the playoffs. Like, we saw it down the stretch. Um, the crucial moments of the game, the Clippers were panicking, and it was obvious. The Nuggets kept their cool and maintained their lead throughout the fourth quarter. Now, I originally felt that the Nuggets had no chance against the Lakers. Now, I feel like they have as good a shot as any. I mean, at the end of the day, I still think the Lakers will advance to the finals, but I think it'll be a rough series, and it'll probably be six games. Yeah, uh, I think that's interesting. I would say uh, I'm going to take the Lakers in five. I know um, Denver has really earned our respect after what they've done come back 3-1, but I thought they were the better team of Utah in the first place. I didn't think they needed to be down 3-1 to Utah to get our attention. They should have won that series, in my opinion, five or six games. And then with the Clippers, I think what they did was more about them than the Nuggets' success, if that makes sense. Because for the most part, Jamal Murray, who's been a very streaky player, he was having a very solid second round. He was averaging about 19 a game until game seven when he went off. And to me, it was more about the Clippers choking than Denver succeeding. And for that reason, I'm going to say I think Denver's a threat. I think they have a chance at the finals, but I'm going to take the Lakers in five. Yeah, and yeah, and the Nuggets and the Nuggets just have figured out, you know, all the. Nah, sorry, forget it. Anyway, right, the Nuggets seem to be really pushing through. I'm excited to see that series. Why don't we go over to the Eastern Conference where the Miami Heat just beat the Boston Celtics in overtime on Tuesday night. The Heat, I mean, both, the, the first game in particular has, was very back and forth. I mean, we had a lot of trouble even deciding who we think would win that series. I know we had to mull it over a few days. I think the Celtics can still rally and, and make this and, and win this. But it's very evident from the first game that they're very close. It could go either way. And if it weren't for that block, we'd be talking about Jason Tatum, you know, leading the Celtics to another victory. Yeah, I think that's going to be an amazing series. It would not surprise me at all if either one of them win the whole thing. They Just like the way I watched game one, it's just like there was no holes on either side. There was no weak links. When we were talking about the Bucks series with the Heat, it was, oh, can Chris Middleton step up? What happened to Eric Bledsoe? You know, with, with, with Toronto, with, with Boston, it was kind of like, when is Pascal Siakam going to step up? Well, Chris, in this Heat-Celtics game, everyone was great. No one had bad games. You know, Kemba Walker's hitting key shots down the stretch. You saw what Jason Tatum did, although I didn't love his, you know, long three-pointer to end the, first, you know, regulation. But, you know, you saw the BAM block, which was incredible. The best block in the playoffs since LeBron on Iguodala a couple years ago in the finals. And I just think this is going to be a back and forth series, probably one of the more entertaining series we're going to get for this entire year. And look, Miami's got a, a, a strong one, nothing lead in a game like that, that goes back and forth. It can almost feel like two wins when you win a game like that, especially an overtime game, but I'm going to still go with Boston here. I just think they have too many scores along with the idea that they can play defense almost as well, if not better than the Miami Heat. Yeah, and 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 really, for the Heat to win, they would really need a lot more from Bam, even though he played great last uh, on, Tuesday, on Tuesday night. And a lot of what you said, you know, kind of like what you were saying about the Bucks, 
they needed Middleton to step up. You need a lot more for the Heat to do that. You need a lot more from Tyler Hero. You need some. You need who's some been good? From, it's been who's good. been who's been yeah. good? And but can you depend on that for a rookie? So I feel like there are a lot more question marks with the Heat than there are with the Celtics, um, even though they won the first game last night. Uh, but really quickly, let's let's talk about. Oh, oh go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I think my key to this series has been Mar- it's going to be Marcus Smart. And I think the way he has gone the last couple games, starting in the second round, he's just been unbelievable. Since the beginning of the second round, Chris, he's averaging 17 points a game on 40.5% from three. And you think of him as this defensive, gritty, Pat Beverly type. Well, this is Pat Beverly, but, you know, with offense. And it's been really unbelievable how good he's been. He was 6 of 13 from three in game one. And I think he's the key to the series because he's that extra guy and he kind of makes them not really miss Gordon Hayward. Yeah. And, and now they're going to get Gordon Hayward back. And I, I don't know. I, I think the Celtics have proven more proven pieces in this case. Um, but I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what the rest, how this, the rest of the series unfolds. Uh, let's, let's move on. But we're going to stay in the East. Let's talk about the Bucks. The Bucks are facing the most important summer, or I don't, I guess, off season because summer already passed, um, in their franchise's history. Giannis met with them this week over, to see what the future of the franchise will look like, and it already seems like ownership isn't going to be so open to getting a star like Chris Paul. What are the Bucks' options here? Because if you want Giannis to stay, they clearly need to show and put out and do something that will entice him to stay. Yeah, Chris, it feels like we've been in this exact moment with so many guys, Kevin Durant, LeBron James, and so many franchises. And we've seen the the ways that teams and owners get their stars to stay. And we've seen the ways that they alienate their stars and they wind up leaving for a bigger market. And the way this sounds at this very moment I don't see why he would come back. There's already the report you mentioned that, you know, they didn't, they're a little nervous about taking on Chris Paul's salary. And look, he's making a lot of money. He's making, you know, what's 85 million over the next two years. But Chris, if that entices Giannis to sign the Supermax, it's well worth it. Plus, that's like their biggest hole right now is point guard. Eric Bledsoe, after a very shaky 2019 playoffs, I said, give him another year. He's probably feeling the pressure of the new contract. It was one bad playoff series. Now that's two bad playoff series, Chris. And I'm not sure he can be the, you know, a, the starting point guard on a championship team. And so Chris Paul is an immediate upgrade. And I think he is, because of that salary, is very gettable. And you're talking about a team that's very close to the, the cap, who has very little in terms of assets. I don't see a lot of other moves they can make. You know, we talked about it before the show, Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday is the perfect fit for this team. A guy who could shoot, who could, you know, create an offense, play defense, not making Chris Paul money. But what are you going to trade them to New Orleans that's going to make them want to break that team up? I would think New Orleans is very, you know, motivated to keep Drew Holiday and give him a new contract. So I don't. I don't really know what they can do if they're not willing to trade for Chris Paul. Yeah, I mean, Bucks are certainly limited in their options. It just really comes down to the ownership, you know, stepping up to the plate. And 
just because they're nervous, it doesn't mean that they won't pull the trigger on Chris Paul. It just means that they're uneasy. So I think it'll be a, an offseason to watch for the Bucks. Um, and then on the same token, the Clippers also have a very interesting summer. You know, Harold becomes a free agent, and they face a lot of questions on whether they can upgrade. I personally feel like they don't need to upgrade much. I really do think that it it it'll be about them gelling and and resigning a guy like uh, Marcus Morris and really like getting used to each other because I, you know I feel like if they would have spent more time together, this is a, this is a different conclusion. I think they're going to do a the Clippers. I think they're going to do a very similar plan they had this year: load management, resting guys, but at the same time. I think the extra year together, the motivation behind being the laughing stocks of these playoffs, I think that's going to be enough to make them a serious threat next season. You mentioned Morris, you mentioned Harrell. I'm not sure they have the cap space to go out and sign those guys who are both very good starting caliber players in this league who, you know, they're going to need to pay them as if they're backups to get them to stay in LA. And so I'm not sure that's realistic. So all of a sudden you're talking about losing two starting caliber players. How are they going to fill that with close to veteran minimum contracts? I'm very mm-hmm. curious to see how they, that plays out. And then with the Bucks, look, this is their time to step it up. You know, this is they have to prove to Giannis right now, not three years from now, right now, that they're willing to win. They're willing to put in the assets to win because if not, you're going to lose him and you're going to end up like the Cleveland Cavaliers who have been, you know, dead in the water for what three four years now since or now three this is going on year three since lebron left you have kevin love you got andre drummond and no plan stevie what what you should bring up the point that you mentioned to me about the clippers uh before the show i think well yeah so the clippers are in a very similar situation Mm -hmm. as the bucks are where no one really talks about this, but Paul George and Kawhi Leonard can both be free agents next year. And you're coming off of a season where pandemic P, you know, playoff P, he was the, the biggest joke on the biggest joke team in the playoffs. And, you know, Kawhi Leonard chose to have him as his running mate. It's very possible if they have a similar season next year where they fall below expectations that they're not going to want to play together next year. And one of them can leave. They both could leave. And then you're talking about a team that has lost every draft pick they've had for the next half a decade to the Oklahoma City Thunder. And you may not have Kawhi Leonard and Paul George here. You're going to have Lou Williams at the end of his career. And, you know, do you bring back Harrell? And then all of a sudden this trade turns into a worse version of the Nets Celtics trade that winded up giving the Celtics Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. <laughs> so, well, that's, that's really well said, Steven. I think uh, the Clippers probably face more of a urgency than the Bucks do because as you said, it, it's tougher for, for the Clippers though, because the Bucks have immediate upgrades. Like you can upgrade point guard with blood. So, like the Clippers all have a bunch of guys like Lou Williams and Pat Bev who don't make a ton of money. So it's going to be very difficult to find easy upgrades over those guys. Like I don't like Lou Williams might be the best six man in the game. Like you're not going to upgrade over that situation. Montrose Harrell for as up and down he was in the playoffs. He was good in game seven. 
you're not really going to find an upgrade over his situation. So I don't really know what they can do mm-hmm. to improve their roster unless you're talking about a guy like Land, you know, Landry Shamit just getting better and becoming the next form of himself as a shooter, kind of like what Tyler Hero is right now. Yeah, but for me, it seems like if if Ballmer, who's part of that ownership, well, he was who's the owner of that team. They just invested. They just, uh, I believe, bought a new arena in L.A. They bought it off Dolan, the Forum. The Forum. They're going back to the, like, to the it, Forum. It really seems like money will not be an issue in terms of investing in that team. So, but like, might... it's, there's also a cap. So no, it's no, like... no, no, no. I'm, I'm with you. I'm just saying, like, when it comes to going over the cap and paying a luxury tax, they'll be okay with it. Um, unlike the Bucks, who already seem hesitant to do that. Right. Yeah. No, I, th- I think that's very well said. I'm curious to see how both of those situations play out. You know, we're both Nick fans. We're very curious to see that roster that has seven, eight guys on it right now, how they fill out that roster. But other than the Knicks, the Bucks and the Celtics, to, uh, Bucks and the Clippers are the two most fascinating teams by far this offseason. Let's get to final thoughts, Chris. There's been a lot of shakeups already. Billy Donovan with the Thunder, Mike D'Antoni with the Rockets, both decided to leave their teams. You don't really see too many playoff teams, you know, have their coach decide, I don't really want to be here anymore. And but that's exactly gotta, what happened. Yeah. You kind of get it with D'Antoni because there was disputes about his contract and whatnot. But it sounds like Billy Donovan just didn't want to be there anymore because he thought there was a good chance they're going to trade Chris Paul and rebuild. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think I'm not sure where Billy Donovan goes next, but there are some openings with the Pacers, the Rockets, uh, D'Antoni. There has been. There had been some rumblings that, you know, D'Antoni, there was interest with D'Antoni in, in Indiana and New Orleans. Um, the options are there. Um, so, you know, it really remains to be seen, like, what D'Antoni's, what the mastermind genius that he is, what will he do next? Like, will he be the one who figures out the 76ers offense? We'll see. If, if D'Antoni cannot figure out that offense where he has had some of the greatest offenses in the history of basketball, where he invented the seven seconds or less, and now they're doing small ball, if he can't figure out how to get Simmons and Embiid to work together, then no one can. And if I am the Sixers, that's the guy I'm hiring because he, to me, is the best offensive coach in the game. And they're both good enough defenders to the point where even if they ignore defense, they won't be a train wreck there. But I got to find out if those two guys can play together. And if he can't unlock them, then you know it won't work and you'll trade one. So I think that's yeah. the way I would go. Yeah, and I think and I think obviously we've we've talked about this a lot. And I think if D'Antoni if it if they were to hire D'Antoni in the first year, and we know it probably won't do well, and beats him be the one to go. D'Antoni loves you know, point guards and. But like, we don't, it. we don't know that for sure. Like all of a sudden, you know, if Simmons misses 40 games again, and we're talking about him as an injury risk, or if some team comes out and blows the Sixers out of the water for, in a trade package for Simmons, mm-hmm. not, Embiid's not necessarily the one to go. Not necessarily. I, I'm just going by if D'Antoni's the one who's running that team. Like Ben Simmons would be like the, the next disciple in, in, in taking the keys of his offense. Like he'd be like next Nash, next Harden. I'm not saying he's going to score like Harden, 
But I do think that the playmaking skills will be like to that tier. Anyway. That would be fun to see. I would be very interested in seeing that. And yeah. we we all we heard originally Ty Lue was the favorite for that job. Ty Lue deserves another coaching opportunity. I think, you know, New Orleans is a good fit, I would think, for him. You know, Indiana has a lot of really interesting young pieces. I think I would like to see how he does there. But if I'm Philly, D'Antoni is the guy because mm-hmm. I think no one else fits better for what they need than D'Antoni at this moment. I- I do think Ty Lu, and as I've mentioned him on previous episodes, that I do think that he, for me, is the favorite um, just because of his championship caliber experience and working with LeBron and working with, you know, other big personalities. And, and he was on the Clippers. Um, well, we'll see. We'll see what happens with him um, and the Sixers. Anyway, we got some news that... The NBA draft is now on November uh, November eighteenth, and which we thought <laughs> we thought we were going to see an NBA draft next month, but not anymore. Um, any thoughts on this move? Yeah, it was expected, Chris. Unfortunately, um, it just means to me that the calendar is going to be further pushed back. We heard December first, then we heard Christmas. It's hard to imagine they're going to do a draft and then five weeks later the season begins. It's it's almost hard to believe. I think we're going to look at somewhere around Martin Luther King Day, best case scenario for sure. But, you know, it is what it is, and it gives them more time to negotiate the CBA. How much are these rookies going to make next year if there's no fans? It's it's questions that need to be answered, and you don't leave yourself a lot of room to do that because they, they don't really want to do that right now with the playoffs still going on. You don't want to put that over the playoffs and have players, if things go wrong, threaten to not finish the season either. So it's a big issue, but at the same time, it is what it is. And we're about two months away from seeing who the Knicks are going to disappoint us with next. (laughs) That's right, Stevie. All right. Last thing here, Chris, you know, they just announced the all NBA teams. The three teams are there. It's a lot of very similar guys we kind of expected, but Chris, once again, my guy, Bradley Beal, is not on one of these all you know NBA teams. I think it's absurd, Chris. He had one of the greatest scoring years we've seen in a long time. He gets snubbed from the All-Star game. He gets snubbed from All-NBA. Somebody get my man some help in Washington so they can be competitive. If he's competitive, Chris, I really believe he's on these, you know, a second or third team the next couple of years because he's really earned it. You know what's crazy? I'm kind of surprised to see Russell Westbrook here. Bradley Beal was much better than Westbrook. Obviously, we know that Westbrook didn't perform in the playoffs. Um, but this is a regular and, season award, you know. Right. So I right. get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get it too. But I don't. I don't even think his regular season performance was that worthy of an All NBA selection. Chris. Any others? Any, wait, any surprise to you there? I think he, Russell Westbrook for me is the biggest one. I mean, I would swap those two out. Chris Beal averaged thirty and a half points a game. He got his teammates involved over six assists a game. His turnovers were not that bad. You know, he shot, you know, what he shot, he shot 45 and a half percent from the field. He was a very efficient player. He got other players involved. And without him, Chris, this Washington team is by far the worst team in the league. So he deserves some credit. And I know we always try to, you know, root for the guys who win, you know, support the guys who are on winning teams. But all you're really doing is making a guy like Bradley Beal want to further ask for a trade and get out of Washington because he's now it's affecting his career. You know, you're talking about 
missing out on an all-star team he shouldn't have missed out on. You're talking about missing out on all-NBA he shouldn't have missed out on. It's going to affect his next contract, too. But that's a problem for another day, Chris. And, that's going to and, do it. Sorry, one more thing. Embiid didn't, also didn't make it. He's, He's always a better fit. missing games. So I, I get that one more. He's, you know, a heck of a player and all-NBA talent. Luka Doncic, his first his first all-NBA selection. Pretty amazing for a well second-year player. For sure. Well-earned. Yeah. Uh, that, that's going to do it here on the All Hoops podcast. Chris, I thank you once again. Great show. Love thank talking you, about basketball. Love talking about chaos in the NBA, which we're starting to see some more signs of. And uh, we'll be back next week to talk about, you know, the end of the East and Western Conference Finals, along with the NBA Finals and whatever news should break. Bye, everyone.